All right, here we are in the winter months in uh, California, where we're located here at Red Dot Fitness. The rain has fallen, which means the snow has fallen in the mountains, and the snow is upon us. In this episode, we're going to talk about snow sports, specifically skiing and snowboarding, how to get ready, whether you're a novice or more intermediate exerciser. Even if you only have a couple of weeks, we have some tips and some tools to help you be ready for that ski trip or vacation that's right around the corner. If you want to learn more about what we do here at Red Dot Fitness, or maybe get involved with one of our programs like RDF Strong or RDF Max, you can reach out to us here or contact us by going to rdftrainonline.com. That's rdftrainonline.com. When you get there, this month, you can enroll in RDF Max or RDF Strong using code ISP20 to receive 20% off. Again, that's rdftrainonline.com. Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Uh, it was a big rainy weekend here in California. I mean, we saw more rain here in probably the last three days than we've seen here in maybe the last three months. That's the way it's been past the last couple of years. Uh, lot sure of, didn't see it, but I heard it. Uh, <laughs> are you Netflixing in, in bed all day? <laughs> yes. Pretty much. <laughs> From Friday till through yesterday. Yeah. I think a lot of people were doing that. It was pretty quiet out. I, I had to get out of the house because it was driving me crazy. Um, and it was wet. And the other thing that's going on here in California specifically is really cold. Uh, and obviously, whenever we get that combination, first off, we need rain. We need water. Uh, but when it gets cold, it means snow is falling. And we're getting a ton of snow. Jeff and I were looking at the snow report for like 15 minutes, mm. drooling <laughs> and like comparing. Best day of the year is probably today <laughs> if the roads are open. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing. They closed last bad. night. Yeah. yeah I mean, it shuts things down. People can't get there. But the, the snow is falling. Um, I think they got 30 inches in 24 hours. I'm ready what? to Yeah. Yeah. And this was the wow. second part of that storm. They got, I think, six, six inches, eight inches on the first uh, run. So a lot. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this, this, at this point in the year, that's a lot, right? And the, the, the trick here in California is it has to stay cold. So if it doesn't stay cold and it gets wet and it rains and it melts that stuff, but it looks right now, the weather's, weather's holding up. So, I mean, like, like Jeff, like I'm looking at it going, how do we get there? How soon can we get up and, and go, go snowboard? To that, to this point, it it changes a little bit every year because usually we don't get really good snow till January. Yeah, doesn't start falling until kind of the second week yep. of January, and then that Martin Luther King holiday weekend uh, is always like kind of the big weekend. There's always good snow. Yeah, and uh, you, you do the math like from what we're like middle of December right now. I think we're like at the 13th or something like that. When we're recording this, we're ha- almost halfway through. That doesn't give you a lot of time to kind of get ready for that. Right to be ready for the for the snow. I haven't been training like that. I'm just like, oh shit, the snow's here already. <laughs> it got here a little earlier this year. If I could have, we were talking about this. Like my bag is packed. Yep. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, and I were going through like what we've learned. It was like my bag is packed. I have one bag. It's got the snowboard in it. It's got the big roller bag, the snowboard, mm-hmm. the jacket, the boots, the multiple pairs of gloves, multiple pairs of goggles. Everything's in there. Like it's like the go bag. Yeah. Like you don't. There's nothing at home. Right. Everything's in that bag. <laughs> Storm is here. Mm-hmm. Let's go. 
Yeah. Uh, but, but he needs some goggles, needs some clears. Right. I got you, dude. Like, we are not not snowboarding. <laughs> Get your yeah, ass on that if, mountain. If a pair of cracks, I've got an extra yeah. pair. If, you can sit in the car. If two pair of cracks, then you've got an extra <laughs> pair. I'll see you when you're, when yeah. you're done. Yeah. When I, I done. mean, I've the, the, the board is actually waxed and ready to go already. It got mm-hmm. put away from the last time I was out, ready to go, right? It's like every... The, the 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 base layers everything's in there I've done that's totally prepped it's totally prepped um the the truck is always ready to go like the four-wheel drive if you own a truck and you don't have four-wheel drive you're like, it's you, rough yeah you wasted your your money <laughs> but the truck is ready to go so all I got to do is throw in the truck it's always I always keep the gas the, the truck gassed up because you know you never know so I try to keep that thing on full so it's ready that's ready to roll all I need to do is just grab my shit and go. But you know, you know what I haven't done? Mm. <laughs> my body's not in any kind of condition to go spend like two or three days on the mountain right now. As much as I love it, as much as I could probably power through, that first day would be probably be awesome. It'd be a wake-up call. Uh-huh. But I'd, bet, I'd, I'd battle through it. But I would wake up the next day and be... You know, trashed. Like where, where I've never had sore in this area before. <laughs> like, what is going on? Or it's been a full year since I had it the last time. Yep. Uh, which got me to thinking was just chat with Jeff. Like we should do an episode on, you know, how to prepare yourself for uh, these winter sports, specifically like skiing and snowboarding. And there's a lot of them out there. If you don't live near a ski resort, but I will say I didn't, you know, apparently there are 37 States with ski areas in them. Um, now that's a lot. And I don't know if those are all like downhill, downhill type ski recreation, mm. recreation. It could be, you know, cross country, a little bit, a little bit flatter yeah. or, or whatever. Um, but 37 States, there's like 476 ski areas. Oh, 476. Yes. Yeah, sorry. It's 37 States, 476. No, it's 470. No, it's, yeah. yeah. I, that's, that's, th- a, that's lot. a lot. Yeah. You know how many people apparently frequent these things a year? Take a guess. 10 million. 10 million people go to get involved in snow sports every year. And this doesn't include, again, some of the other sports. Like if you live maybe in some other areas, uh, you know, maybe a little bit north, certainly the northern Midwest, Wisconsin, Michigan. Like I know a lot of people that do a lot of ice skating this time of year. They're mm-hmm. playing hockey literally outside, like yep. on their ponds Sledding. and lakes, all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, those count because uh, you have to put it, it's all physical work. Uh, unless you're riding like a snowmobile or snow machine, as they call it in some areas of the country, which is like motocross mm. in my mind. Um, I have personally actually never had any experience on, on, um, on a snowmobile, but I have on motorbikes and it looks to me to be very, very similar. It's like your ski do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Yeah. So it, you know, in the crossover in the summertime would be wakeboarding or water skiing. Not too many people do that anymore or riding your, your, uh, you know, your jet ski. That's what it's called. Brand, right? <laughs> right on top type of uh, CD or whatever. Anyways, going back to the winter stuff, the point of this being like 10 million people in the course of the next few months. And that's another good point to look at here that all this activity happens generally in a very uh, concentrated time <clears throat> period. And that's one of the things, Jeff, you brought up that apparently we can already ski here in like the Tahoe area of California. I mean, they were probably making snow, but that shit's snow. Not not very many people are doing that. But between the months of January and March, like let's just say a fraction, you know, we took a fraction of that. And California has a really, really large population and we're drawing from a lot of other areas because we have some premier ski resorts here. Let's say that's a couple million people. And I'm sure it is. I didn't do that research to know. If it's a couple million people that are coming in there over a couple of months time, Obviously, 
there's a lot of people that are getting out there that haven't been doing a lot of activity, haven't been training at all. There's going to be a lot of beginners. There'll be a lot of advanced people and everything in between people that have been training to get ready for this. And most people haven't. That's just yeah. what it is. It's a big reality. Big reality. Mm-hmm. That lead, that's problematic. <laughs> that's problematic. So I was just kind of, as I was scrolling through, kind of trying to do some, do some research on this. Like every time I go to the, to the mountain, somebody's getting carted off the mountain. I see it every mm-hmm. time. Ski patrol staying pretty. Every day. <laughs> Pretty busy the entire time. So, you know, and and you think about like, well, how does that happen? Right. Well, I think there's a few ways that happens. One, it's a non-contact sport most of the time. Most of the time. I was going to say back in the day, I remember people didn't wear helmets and those types of things. Oh, dude, that was me. Like until I actually had my daughter, like I would go straight ahead, knuckle dragging down through the trees, no helmet on my head, never even thought twice about it. And then, you know, my daughter was born. It was like this instant, like, uh, like switch that goes off, you know, it's like a lizard brain goes off. Like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like there's risk here. Like put a fucking bucket on your head. And, uh, so did that, but yeah, there's, it, sometimes it does become contact. Again, you get this, this, uh, concentration of people in one place at one time. Some know what they're doing. Some don't say, yep. And, and, accident, yeah, and accidents happen, yeah. you know, and accidents happen. Um, so it's sometimes there is, there is contact out there, but most of the time it's not. Hopefully not. Yeah. yeah, Most of the time it's not. So that's how things are happening. But, you know, as people are getting hurt up there again, sorry, going back to some of the stats I was looking up, this was pretty frightening. It's like, um, hold on, let me, let me pull this up. So it's the fatality amount was, was kind of crazy to me in terms of how many people actually die every year. So in the U S there are an average of 37 fatalities per season and, and not, this doesn't include, but, and 31 catastrophic injuries per season. So I, oh man. So it's 37 people are dying up on the mountains or. I wonder if they're getting stuck of, in a tree well. Out of well how many people? Like, well, we oh, said the t- 10 million, yeah. 10 million visits. So that could be visits. multiple visits okay, by the it, same people, it, yeah. but 10 million, 10 million visits per year. Over 37 states, there's 37 fatalities. So, so about like one fatality per state or something like that. Yeah, something like that. But again, I don't know how many of these are like downhill things versus like somebody has a heart attack, maybe cross-country exactly. skiing or Stuck in falls a into well, a river yeah. and drowns or something something yeah. like that. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that can happen up there. And we, you know, I don't want to beat this up too much. <laughs> um, but of those, those catastrophic injuries, now we're talking about people like breaking bones and tearing ligaments and having head trauma from, you know, any number of things, again, whether they're contacting the ground, they're getting a non-contact head injury, which can't happen. Uh, The contra coup, right. Where the brain effectively is being bounced around inside the the skull and creates a bruise and creates, um, creates all kinds of issues coming down the line. But again, then there's the, then there's the other stuff that happens like, well, maybe I didn't have a catastrophic injury, but I've, um, I'm messed up. Like I'm not right. And I've done that. Like I've eaten shit enough Mm -hmm. times where, you know, the rest of my weekend ski weekend was hampered or I went months and months and months with my, with with something, my Mm -hmm. low back had already been an issue and I re-aggravated that or whatever else. Scorpion. Yeah. (laughs) But I I just want to go back like, okay, so yeah, scorpion, but all right. So the snow is falling. I've got all this really expensive gear. I've got high. I like being comfortable. I hate being wet and cold. 
So I've done all this prep work. I've put a lot of finance into buying all this, this gear. It's already prepped. It's already ready to go uh, to the extent that I could just throw it on. And all I got to do is pay for a lift ticket. Mm-hmm. Now lift tickets. Jesus. Mm-hmm. CC had about, I had a heart attack the other day when I pulled, when I pulled those numbers up, she's like, well, how much is a lift ticket to go to like, like mammoth? It goes probably about 250 bucks. She's like, no. And I looked it up and like, that's what it is for a day. It's like $250 uh, to go to a place like Mammoth to spend a weekend. Now, granted, it's a great big mountain. There's a lot of great snow out there and whatever, but that is a, that is an investment. Dude. It is definitely an investment. It's not like it's for your um, working class family for anymore. Day, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's why buying this pass, you know, where, where you can get this, you know, and you might not use it, but I mean, if you went up three times, three days in a row at 250, you're looking at the, basically the. The pass, right? Show me where to sign. Exactly. Yeah, but at the same time, can you last this three days? (laughs) For me, yeah, that's the thing. So the point I'm trying to make here is we're getting into like how to prep yourself for yeah for this for for this is you make all this investment in time. You want it. You you book the trip for the family. You rent the Airbnb or you get the hotel, the resort. You get your friends all. You pack them all up in a car. Right. You get up there. you, You battle the snow. You battle the traffic. You've made financial time, energy investments, and you can't enjoy your fucking time because you or somebody else in Uh your party isn't prepared for the things that are, that are going to happen up there. And everybody's been there Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. where you get up there and then that one person, not on purpose, but ends up ruining the trip or causes issues for the rest of the people on the trip. So unacceptable. I think there's ways to prepare for this so that we can maximize our time. uh, And, optimize that uh, that word gets used a lot, but optimize our bodies for being able to, to get up there, have a great time, enjoy ourselves, have some longevity on the slopes, maybe avoid some injury and some things that maybe you can make. If you're one of those people that's already doing that, make your friends, family, yeah. kids, wife, uncle, aunt, the friend who, yeah, dude, let's go shred. And they're completely out of shape. They never work out. All they want to do is, you know, drink the whole weekend and, you know, then they're talking about hitting the half pipe. And those are the guys that are out there breaking an arm, separating a shoulder or whatever else. Right, bro. So, um, with that, the other thing with this is like, it's snuck up on us. Right. So it's not like I've, I haven't really been planning for this. I I haven't been, but CC and I were just talking about, Hey, we should try to get up there in the next couple of weeks. And because once the new year starts, things get a little busy. And if it's not on the calendar, it's probably not going to happen. So I was thinking about this, like, how would you prepare in a short period of time or how could you get your body prepped and how could we share with people how you, you might go about doing things like prepping your body, right, to, to be ready, to be more fit, also more resilient so that you can enjoy your time in a short period of time. Uh, and let's say, say four to six weeks, because for everybody across the country, that time is either here or it's about to be here. And you're probably going to be doing that through your holiday vacations and break like that. So let's break it down. I mean, what are the, when you think about it, like what, what do I need outside of my general fitness to be prepped to have a solid day or solid weekend or solid three day weekend or whatever, let's call it holiday on the slopes. I mean, what comes to mind for you? How would you, you guys prioritize it? Uh, Well, I think me and Cece were talking about endurance is the big one, right? Strength, endurance, being able to stand up use your legs for five, six hours, however long you want to be out there and then still have stability strength, endurance, uh, mobility, mm-hmm. right on the mountain. Yeah. So, uh, strength, endurance, mobility, uh, did you say stability. balance? Stability, stability and stability balance. balance. Kind of. Yeah. So let's break them all down. Let's talk about stability balance first. What do you, when you say that, what do you mean? 
So for me, just the stabilizing of, let's say, my pelvic area or the stabilization of my ankles, my hips, so my knees aren't bending in. I'm not, you know, riding on my ligaments. I'm actually using my muscles. I'm co-contracting my joints. I'm strong, right? Um, there's a lot of people out there that they don't have the strength in their stabilizer muscles. They go through and they start using uh, these muscles throughout the day. They weaken. And then when they get to a spot where, you know, let's say... Um, their ski wants to go off on someone else's line. Well, they don't have the stability to stay straight and that ski goes that direction, right? And they either tear an ACL, MCL, whatever the mm -hmm. issue is, yard sale. Yep. <laughs> uh, dude, every, I'm just saying the skiing looks rough when you fall. I, I'm a snowboarder. I like I like to keep my gear on me. But dude, I, <laughs> mm -hmm. these, these guys, I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah you're right. Absolutely. Because you're talking about skis versus snowboarding. So when you're talking about skis, you have two independent open areas. Mm -hmm. Like yep. you're... you're <clears throat> two skis versus a, a snowboard where your feet are attached to one board. Right. So, so when you're skiing, you're kind of looking at more of lower body injuries where, don't get me wrong, you can definitely still break a wrist and an arm, but where you're, as you're snowboarding, it's more of low back or upper body issue. Now, when you're going to brace yourself for a fall or learning how to fall on that snowboard. Because you're fixed, you're yeah. all closed up, yeah. right? And a lot of board. head injuries as well on the snowboard. People uh, catch that front or back edge as they're going front side and eat, you know, eat yeah. down the hill. I was going to say, I think the other thing was snowboarding versus skiing and I I could be wrong because I don't snowboard. I've always skied, but um, the snowboards you're you're completely fixed into your board, whereas the ski you can set the tension. So if you do take a spill, then the ski could po potentially pop off. Because you want you, you kind of want it could them be problematic. To, yeah, you yeah. want them to, but at the same time, um, yeah, you don't that doesn't wanna, always happen. And you don't want to have the ski attached to you because it can start going and contorting yourself. Mm -hmm. That's why they do that with the snowboard. Um, it, it really doesn't have that effect. The only way to know that is if you get up there enough and you play around with that tension to know when you go down, it doesn't just come off on a, maybe a slight fall versus the, a, a major fall. That's right. the issue too. Yeah. And so you're renting skis, you're borrowing somebody yeah. else's gear or whatever <clears throat> skis else. Skis are very, very finicky. I mean, you have to have your own boot and mold it and all that. I mean, to, to, to really have a nice setup. I mean, you can easily rent a board and kind of get out there, but for skis, they're very finicky. Yeah, again, it just this goes to show there's just not a lot of thought that goes into this, but I want to go back to the stability the stability mm -hmm. piece and, and balance piece. Uh, the differences between the skiing and the snowboarding, obviously, um, you, you guys just sort of highlighted those, but there's a ground force reaction piece that happens mm -hmm. there as we get into strength and your body's ability to uh, respond and adapt to, it's very dynamic. So mm -hmm. the the terrain changes, right? The the, uh, the the impact changes depending on where you are in your day, where you are on the mountain, what the weather happens to be or yes, have changed yeah. to. I mean, uh, we can probably all relate to, if you've ever been, you relate to this. The goal would be to get up there at on the on the chair at 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. when the, the groom is fresh and nobody's messed up any of the, the powder. Come back four hours later or you jump into that four hours later and that that terrain has completely changed, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's start the snow, it may have gotten a little bit warmer, right? The snow starts to set up a little bit, gets a little bit, uh, more uh, hardens up. It can even ice up depending on what the weather changes changes are. You're going from the from the powder to the groom. Mm. That could be a hard transition yep. change. And your body's ability to know and sense what's mm -hmm. going on, not overreact, not overcompensate, can be trained, mm -hmm. right? Nothing's going to make you better at skiing like skiing well. And same with snowboarding, right? You, yeah. The only way that's specific adaptations to impose demands. But there are some things you can do in your training program in working with your balance and your stability and your ability to withstand those ground reaction forces and respond to them appropriately without a ton of, uh, you know, obviously this would be an organized program in, you know, in an ideal world. But mm -hmm. if it's not, we, there's a few things we can do going out there to prep your body for this. Now, you guys also mentioned like, the strength endurance piece. So, um, and you 
Jeff, I think that was really good uh, sort of point there you're making about uh, obviously it's just mostly lower body, but as the upper body gets fatigued, the lower body has to take over more and vice versa. As your lower body becomes, gets, uh, becomes fatigued, the upper body starts to overcompensate a little bit. So it's not just a lower body workout we should be looking at here. We yeah. should be looking at total body uh, endurance training, right? Strength and endurance. So you know, it's not just squats and lunges and Bulgarian split squats and hip thrusts and all those other things. You should be integrating this, this training across, across the board. And then there's this, there isn't a, a little bit of a, uh, or a, a component of endurance in general, uh, cardiovascular endurance yes. and this mm-hmm. metabolic conditioning for the course of the day. Because if I spent $250 on a fucking ticket, like I don't want to go up there and run three runs and then get off the mountain, right? I'm going to try and spend the rest of my day up there. And where does the endurance come in? It's hugely important because most of these injuries, and we're looking at these, looking at the rates there, um, 95% of the fatalities that happen are dudes, and 95, 97% of the total injuries are dudes. So it's mostly us dudes, um, and it's they almost all happen towards the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It's not usually on the first run. Right? It's at the end of the day, and what's happened at the end of the day? Fatigue. You got fatigued. Maybe you had a f- one or three too many IPAs at the, you know, at the lunch run. Talking about elevation too then. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's a really good point. Yeah. You're, you're, you're typically at elevation. You don't live there. Well, you're probably going to be at least in the United States. You're not living there. You're getting up to, to high elevation. Your body is not responding the same metabolically. Um, so having a base level endurance to be able to work with over time. Um, and obviously while you're up there is super important because again, you, when you get fatigued, bad things happen. The other thing is, is, and, and I don't want to, this is part of the endurance piece is that generally it starts out with a nice, easy run. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and particularly for those that haven't been mm-hmm. in a long time or maybe not as advanced, they start out with a nice little easy green run. Right. Mm-hmm. And they get their skis, quote unquote, skis underneath them, their feet underneath and they go down. Okay. I didn't fall. That was great. So now I'm going to move to the blue Ooh, run. Progression. Right? Right. Yeah. And then they move over there and they do a couple of, Ooh, that was a little bit more scary. And so I'm going to, but I'm going to test myself a little bit. I want to push myself a little bit. They go down a couple of blue, blue runs and they get super confident. The next thing you know, you know, they're over on the fucking double black diamond, either on purpose <laughs> or by mistake. Right. Cause they've been graduating up this mountain. And, and this is where you start seeing the ski patrol with the snowmobiles and uh, the, the sleds and they're pulling people off the mountain because people have progressed while also fatiguing themselves out and they get to this, this point. So prepping for all of this uh, can be done. And so again, you guys just hit on a couple of things. So strength, endurance, balance, and stability, uh, being able to prep for that ground reaction force. Um, And then also we've hopefully what this is doing is creating a level of awareness as as you're up there. So you're not ruining your own time and somebody else's time. Uh, So let's talk about how do you train it? So where would you focus? Like if, if again, we're like mid December, You've got the mid-January snowboard ski trip planned. What can you be doing right now? Let's look at it in two ways. One, if you haven't been training at all, like you're mm-hmm. you're you're just you're deconditioned. I'm not saying you've never trained before ever. You just haven't been doing it lately. Or the person that's been pretty pretty honest, pretty on top of it, and pretty consistent. I'm not talking about the professional athlete here. You do you, you know, up there and what you want to do. But the average Joe that that works out and tries to stay in shape. Let's start with the beginner. What are the things they could be doing to train those things now to be ready in a month? You know, we were talking about this earlier. And um, for the beginner, you know, you have four to six weeks to, to do this. So 
you can easily start with some body weight types of exercises and doing some tempos, some pauses, uh, working on the eccentric component of an exercise. And the thing that's nice about that is you don't have to do too many repetitions when you're easing yourself in into mm-hmm. a workout. You can start with, you know, five to eight repetitions with tempo and pauses, and then over time, increase your repetitions and then um, adding an external load. So, you know, just because you're a beginner, that's not necessarily going to hold you back. Yeah. So you're making a good point there. There's a lot of uh, variables that you could adjust. Uh, One of the things I'm thinking about is this should be a full body workout. Right. Yes. So you should be pushing, pulling, yep. squatting, lunging, rotating, yep. hinging. hinging, pushing overhead, um, you know, horizontally, pulling overhead, pulling horizontally. Um, those uh, those those are, are vertically. Sorry, pulling vertically, not overhead. But um, the point of that is, is it should be a full body workout. So we're building metabolic capacity as, as well as our, we're adapting uh, neuromuscularly while we're doing this. And you don't have to necessarily like, I know what people think of me. Yeah, but you said endurance. How is this helping me? I don't want to be worn out. You're building endurance and strength at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's part of it. At, at some point, those, the, 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 I guess the power curve on how much endurance you build with your, with your specific strength training is going to change. It's going to diminish as your body adapts. And that's when you can add in a little bit more. But if you, if you have a short period of time, get yourself going on a full body, body weight or very lightweight, uh, Think strength because you will be building endurance while you're building that strength. So three sets, maybe five to eight, mm-hmm. five to 10 repetitions. Yep. Yep. Move on to the next one. You could do those, you know, do a set, take a rest, mm-hmm. do another set, take a rest, do another set, take a rest and move to the next exercise. Or you could stack it. So you could do what we call vertically stacking it, where let's say I was going from my my squat to my push to my pull to my hinge mm-hmm. or some variation thereof. I could do my set five to eight of my squats, move to my push yep. for set five to eight, then move to my hinge for set five to eight, then move to my pull five to eight, and then go back to the top mm-hmm. to my squat again and go through three rounds of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way I'm getting that active recovery while my, while those less conditioned areas, well, my body that's less conditioned at that time, but spe- those specific areas of working have a little time to uh, recover so they can go back and hit them again, all while still working the cardiovascular system and the metabolic system to help me use those energy systems efficiently and effectively as I go through there. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a sort of a base level. As you start to find that that becomes easier, you can increase reps, you can start to increase load. Uh, maybe you are, um, you're getting through there a little faster. It doesn't take you the same amount of time to finish that same workout. And now maybe you want to add a little cardiovascular exercise, whatever you like doing uh, to maybe build a little bit more endurance. Uh, that's one way to build that muscular endurance uh, com- or those muscular and uh, strength and endurance uh, components. What about for the person that's been working out for a while? How do I, how do I come out of the, look, I've been generally training for aesthetics um, and just to try to gen- stay generally fit. I really like to be perform at my best. I realize I don't have a lot of time to do it, but how would I start? Where would you start with that? I mean, I would take them into frontal plane, which is side to side movement, uh, strengthening and an explosive work, uh, whether that's plyometric, uh, using the, uh, uh, the BOSU ball coming into like a lateral sidestep, stepping onto the BOSU ball, mm-hmm. having to absorb that force, press off, right, on an unstable surface. Um, and then adding something like the balance board, right, where you're getting balance in, mm-hmm. like a 
simulating snowboarding, right? But the biggest thing that people aren't doing is transverse plane rotation, right? When I'm snowboarding, dude, I am rotating. Like mm-hmm. my hips, my whole body, I'm going from front side to back side. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm rotating. When you're skiing, you're rotating, you're using your hips. So the frontal plane movement, being able to stabilize your hips from side to side to be able to have that explosion, that endurance and that push when we need it off of the edge. And then also when I rotate, like being able to be strong through there, I'm going to be able to push out of corners and other things. I'm going to be able to strong. Also the core, right? We talk about rotation. I'm talking about being strong in rotation, but also being able to have a strong core, right? So now my whole joints and everything are strong. If I have a weak core, I'm not going to have strong joints. Yeah. We've used that diving board analogy before, you know, and just where like, where's the anchor point? It's going to be basically your, your pelvis and your, mm-hmm. and your spine, right? Uh, lumbar spine and everything from there has to be strong so that you can build your foundation off of there. I think like if you're a beginner, if you were listening to more of the beginner part of this and you're going, yeah, that's probably me and I need to start doing something. But you just listen to what Jeff said there. Think about what he was saying about the the different movements that his body's making and how he was putting that get to, together. He started with like, hey, I'm going to be moving them side to side, some explosive side to side movement or lateral movement. Effectively, what you're doing on the mountain all day is you have to be able to resist, absorb mm-hmm. and absorb forces, right? And then you also have to be, if you're, uh, again, if you're skiing, uh, depending on like maybe your cross-country skiing or whatever, you also have to be able to produce force. So it's mm-hmm. about reducing force, absorbing force, and then and and then producing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. If you're riding in the park, you're producing and reducing yep. the whole time, right? Those are the- If you see professionals, are, like they're pumping, they're yep. using that body. Right. Like you can see them. They they look different than other people, right. right? You can tell people on the mountain that know know what they're doing and know how to use those forces and and use that energy. Use their body, yeah. And, yeah. and all those all those movement patterns, uh, the planes of movement you just mentioned, are being used constantly. And so for the for the beginner, like that's a lot, right? Like you're not ready for that right now. Let's let's start with basic strength and endurance, and we we can add that as you get maybe a little closer. So you're mm-hmm. starting to to condition your your body a little bit. We haven't gotten there, but. To your point, Jeff, is like, that's when you want to start maybe adding these types of things into your general routine. It doesn't mean you have to drop everything you're doing and turn into the, you know, the Olympic ski athlete program, For sure. right? Or mm-hmm. snowboard athlete program. You can add these to the end of your program, your end of your strength yep. training. That's what I do. I don't stop my strength training on whatever program I'm in. Literally, I'm phasing. I don't change it through, uh, oh, snowboard season. Like, dude, if I'm, I'm doing heavy stuff this week, guess what? I'm going snowboard. I'm doing heavy stuff. I'm still, though, at the end, I know it's snowboard season. So I'm doing things like these plyometric explosions and I'm working on my mobility. The Your knees rotate, just if anyone didn't know that. They don't just hinge, they rotate. So like working on tibial rotation and things like this, my ankle stability, and just constantly having these this resilience in these areas is what sets me up for having a good year. Yeah, I think that... The- yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say, you know what? And the other thing is where you're programming it. So a lot yeah. of times when you're we're talking to somebody who's deconditioned or a newer person into strength and conditioning, we'll do the explosive exercises at the beginning of a workout mm-hmm. just because they're more neurologically fresh. Mm-hmm. Whereas you're talking about... Um, challenging yourself neurologically at the end. And that's not a bad thing. And it all comes down to practicality because um, you're still sticking with your main strength training focus. But when you're out there on the mountain and you're starting to fatigue, you still need to be reactionary to Mm -hmm. your environment. So I think that's a a great way of showing the difference as far as programming of where you're putting that in. Because it's not my full explosion. Like I'm not power training. I am just going through the motions and kind of like, 
I don't want to say going through the motions, but I'm doing the motion at a body weight where it would be like an active recovery on a, on another day. You know, for what I mean? you exactly, but still, exactly. There's still some principles of for sure. adding in some plyometrics. Exactly. I would I would describe it as this because I was going to say the same thing, CC, and sort of the nuance of how you explain that, Jeff, and that is this is sort of you're tuning yourself up for the activities that you're going to be having. You're already fit, right? You already have the strength, endurance. It may instability, balance, mobility, you you just might not have been training it specifically for the specific activity exactly. you're going to be doing. So what you're adding in is like a tune up to yes. this and you're doing it at the end for all the reasons that it's you like guys a software just, update. Yeah. 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 Straight <laughs> up. Straight yeah. up. Dude. It's a software and update. And, and you're remind, and you're having a little fun with it, right? Yeah. Cause you recognize, Oh shit, I'm not very good it's at different. that. Or I can change this up. I'm getting a little bit more cardio. These types of movements, this type of exercise, when you start working the explosive movement, is going to impact your cardiovascular system and your 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 anaerobic system as well as your 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 endurance pathways. So without boring people, we've talked about these energy pathways before, but you're adding that component in as well. So not only are you training the reactionary, the react ground force reaction, the plyometric stuff, you're also training these other areas. But again, the point being is, is it's like a tune-up. This isn't like a this isn't a power and strength building program periodized program to set you up for the snowboard season that should have been started a long time ago. And the reality of that is, is if you're a recreational skier, snowboarder, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And now, now when I say recreational, I mean the person that goes up once a month, you know, through the season and may get a half dozen. Wouldn't waste your time doing that. Yeah. Half dozen days or maybe a half dozen to a dozen days a year. That's yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense to be developing an entire like a whole focus periodized it, yeah. program around this. But if you wanted to, you certainly could. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a little bit, maybe a little bit overkill, unless overkill. you're unless you're competing or you're going to be up there more frequently. I think it again, goals are dependent on you know that the, the plan should be dependent on the goals and the person. The resistance training, and for me, as I look at it for that's life, the base, yeah. right? Like I, I do this regardless, and then all of these other things I prep for. Like I don't, I'm not, I don't start like, oh, I'm going to work out because of right. this season. That's if you're thinking like that, and I know a lot of people do, they, they're like, oh, I got to get, I have a Spartan coming up, so I'm going to start training. That's great to have that kind of motivation, but like literally you should have training as a baseline in your life for all the reasons yeah. that we talk about. Mm-hmm. We don't need, you know, mm-hmm. hammer on those. But if you're not doing that, you're not going to have a good base to do all these other mm-hmm. things. And then you're going to have to feel like you have to do all of this stuff to be able to come onto the mountain where it's like, nah, dude, you're like just a little bit of here and there. Can be really weeks. helpful. Yeah. can go a long way. Yeah. yeah. Going back to, you were talking about unstable surfaces and BOSUs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think if there's a place in a training program for something like for that, that tool, like balance boards, I think like there's a rehabilitation uh, thing that goes on there, but specifically yeah. for like sports training, I think this is one of those. Most of the time I don't add those into anybody's program. Sometimes they get used as like a prop for maybe some abdominal crunching for or sure. something like spinal extension and flexion, <laughs> things like that. But we don't use a lot of them, but the BOSU can be a really valuable tool if you're ready to use that. If you've, yes. again, going back to the beginner, stay the fuck away from the BOSU if yeah. you haven't done any kind of lateral work or explosive training. Um Yet, because it doesn't make sense for you. It's it's too much. It's yeah. more than a software upgrade. If you've you're you're going to blow your shit up. Well, if you've been stagnant as well, when we look at fascia and tissue quality, you're not going to have the elastic component to bounce back from that compression force. And this is what we're talking about. Like when I'm talking about resiliency, my whole body can displace force in a different way. So for instance, if I land hard on my back leg when I'm snowboarding off a jump and I come through, my low back tissue super stagnant, doesn't have the elasticity of it lock, could lock you're up. You're in right? trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you're resilient... And when I say that, like 
this tissue is not tight. It has elastic components. It has the components that we want in fascia. You're going to be strong and you're going to be stable. You're going to be resilient. Right. So that speaks to the the overall uh, holistic approach to this. And Mm -hmm. and again, the tune-up piece versus like getting really linear in this uh, periodized program to be like the strongest, most explosive skier, snowboarder on the mountain. So if I'm a beginner and I'm listening to this, hopefully this isn't like scaring you away going, okay, these guys are way into too far into the deep end. I I need it, but it makes sense. And I should do probably be doing some of this stuff. How would you implement some of that stuff into your program? So the first thing is, is before you start moving laterally in an explosive fashion, let's just, let's, before we start doing that, let's move in a very controlled, Mm non-explosive fashion. Yes. And anything you're doing laterally, you should be able to do right in front of you. Right. So you mentioned that frontal plane. So like I'm thinking about it this way. So if I can, um, I I need to be able to basically, uh, I should be able to squat well, if I'm going to go up on the, on the ski, on this, on the ski runs, how many people do you go up there and you go, what in the fuck are you even doing out here? Right. But they're enjoying their time. And who am I to say that they shouldn't be out there? I'm just looking at go, that looks like a disaster waiting to happen. And if it happens, then don't don't be surprised. Yes. Stay away from that. Make sure you have your own helmet and safety equipment on. But uh, my point is a point of this is, is like, how do I build some of this strength, power, endurance, um, and build up to some of the things that you were talking about. So here's a couple of ways. Cece, you mentioned like pausing tempos, things like Mm -hmm. that. So think about this. If you're on the ski, if you're on the, if you're going down the mountain, whether you're on skis or snowboard from the top to the bottom, mm-hmm. your knees are bent. Yep. Your hips are flexed. Oh yeah. If you're standing straight up and down, <laughs> you're going to have a bad time. It's going to take a long time to get to the bottom, right? So you get, you're going to have to, you're going to have to be knee flex, hip flex. This is not a position we stay in all day long under tension. If your body ever locks out while you're skiing or yeah. snowboarding, get off and get yeah. a rest because yeah. you're, you're about to eat it. Yeah. So think about this. Like I want to be in positions or be able to maintain, maintain positions for maybe minutes. Right. And the, in these, uh, in these hip flex, knee flexed positions, right. Stable and ability to react to, uh, to again, absorb, reduce and produce force. Mm -hmm. Uh, so maybe some plyometrics in some of these different positions could be helping you out like a wall sit type of, Mm. that would be a good example for somebody who's never, who's not sure what a plow or excuse me, an isometric looks like. You mean pli- uh, an isometric versus plyometric? Uh, isometric, yeah. yeah. So an isometric, did I say plyometric? <laughs> you said I meant, plyometric. So these isometric positions. Mm-hmm. So like a wall sit, most people can relate to that. Like, you know what that feels like about 30 seconds to 60 seconds in. Those muscles are being challenged isometrically. Those mm-hmm. fibers aren't moving over one another. They're having to maintain that position. So it's a joint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not going to be that way on the slopes, but it'll get you started towards the right the right. Uh, situation in on the slopes, there's constant movement. It's never yeah. static. It's very dynamic. And if you go out on like a powder day and you're a snowboarder, like what are you doing? You're loading your back leg and you're lifting your nose up so you're not eaten in the snow. So right. what you're just literally holding same a on a wakeboard on the back leg, right? Same on the wakeboard. So yeah. I, what do I do? I literally will do like Bulgarian bag or like sorry, Bulgarian split stance, like mm-hmm. dumbbell isometric. Mm-hmm. Get on the box, get into that end range, and just hold 30, 45 seconds. Yep. Um, you can do them in multiple, like you can do it at the end range, mid range, up top. You can, you can go in transverse, whatever you want to do, whatever position you're going to be strongest in, in that position, you'd probably be a little higher than depth, mm-hmm. uh, a little, the uh, hip above the knee. And you would just hold that contraction. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's right. great. It's a great way to look at it. If you wanted to, to spice it up a little bit, now let's start, um, adding a little bit more plyometric, um, or d- uh, dynamics to, 
the thing. You could get yourself up like on a, maybe a short box or even a step, you know, six inches or even a little bit, a little bit higher, maybe as much as 12, depending on your, your specific situation and who you are and step off into that fl- and, and land in a very stable hip flex, knee flex position. So when as you quietly as you possibly can, exactly. So you're, <laughs> Picture yourself standing up on a box, you're 12 inches on the, maybe it's your bench in your garage. You bit, you step off. You're not jumping off. You're stepping off. Your feet hit the floor simultaneously. You drop into your power position, squat position, hip flex, knee flex position, however you want to look at it. And once you're there, you hold that position for, I don't know, five to 10 seconds. So now I'm holding that isometric tension and I can do that repeatedly. So I'm training those, that stretch reflex that's happening in the, in the, uh, in the body specific to like what plyometrics would be. Mm-hmm. And we spent a little bit of time talking about plyometric training on the show before we should probably do an episode on some more specifics there, but I'm dropping into this position and I'm holding it. Yeah. I'd say, so if you're wanting to train the stretch reflex and you're dropping into the position, you're holding it to five to 10 seconds and then you're exploding out right. of it. So then you could be doing a vertical jump. You're, up. you're prepping it in this. This is what I'm working <coughs> up to. This is what I'm working up to. We start with some isometrics. Now we're working some, basically Set some down. depth jumps, right? Where we're dropping, dropping down into the position before we start exploding. Getting the body out used of, to absorbing. Yeah. You know. And when I look down, my feet should be exactly where they would be like in a squat or, you know, maybe more specifically like on a snowboard or your set of skis, same width, same, whatever. Like ideally that's where you're going to drop to yep. pay attention to that. Like, cause that's, you're training that motor control. Like where's my body in space and that'll help with that proprioception. So dropping into there and holding that you do that. You're going to be sore if you've never done those before. Those are going to, you're going to feel those the next day in a different kind of way. And then over time, maybe add a little bit more of that in, maybe a little deeper drop into that squat or that, that power position. And then to your point, CC, hold that for five seconds and then jump out of there, explode up into a vertical jump to train the power. But this happens over time because what you're doing through the isometrics, through the strength and endurance training, through the isometrics, then through that dropping into that squat, you're training the neural system and you're training the, the muscular and the muscular system and the connective tissue to be able to, to Jeff's point, be resilient to this. If you just start doing this and you haven't done any strength training, uh, be prepared for your knees to fucking hurt the next day. Be prepared for your ankles to be very sore. Be prepared for your feet to hurt. Be prepared for your low back to hurt. Create some tendinopathy in your ankles or your knees. That's, that's the quickest way to ruin your ski or snowboard season before it's even started. So don't don't get too carried away. But those are ways you can start to build up into more of the things yeah. Jeff was mentioning before, which is that dynamic lateral movement with the twisting mm-hmm. and rotating the coiling and some of the more, maybe a bit more explosive stuff. And sure. to his point, adding it at the end. Um, the, I don't know if there's anything else to really bring to the table here. I mean, without, we're not writing a ski and snowboard program today. It's just things to think about as we're getting into the last, you know, few weeks before, uh, people start, people start going out there and getting at it or getting after it. But anything else that comes to mind for you guys? I mean, you could train your wrist to have more extension, flexion, more resilient, just your upper body practicing how to fall down. Yeah, not sticking oh your arm out. Yeah, you know, no yeah, fosh falling on an outstretched yeah. hand. Yeah, <laughs> no fosh from an injury prevention perspective yeah. versus learn, a performance perspective. Just learning how to fall. Yeah, yeah. it's not a bad idea. You know, just again, you're going to do a. You're well. You might not do a lot of falling. I mean, going back to the dudes that have 95 percent of the fatalities and 97 percent of the injuries that happen up there, it's generally because they're taking more risk, mm-hmm. right? And 
and they're taking more risks for a couple of reasons. One, uh, because there's it's testosterone driven, like ego driven shit. Mm. Uh, the other thing is, is they're unaware and they think they're better than they should be, whether there's ego or, or, or anything involved in that. Anyways, they're just less risk averse. They're, they're, they're taking bigger chances. If you're doing that, you're going to fall down. Uh, and again, going back to the terrain changes, the conditions, they'll change as you're, as you're, as you're out there, you, you got to know how to fall. Yep. And, um, you know, you see the people that fall, uh, as hard as they fall, they can jump right back up, or at least it looks somewhat like, like all of a sudden they're tumbling and they right. just like pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, Ooh. That person's <laughs> fallen down before. I yeah. mean, that's one of the things like you learn in jujitsu, you learn how to fall down judo. you learn mm-hmm. how to fall down? Volleyball. Volleyball. Basketball, you learn how to fall down on hard surfaces. So uh, think about that. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, we're not going to have a lesson on falling down, but learning how to fall down, pushing, pushing yourself up, yes. uh, resisting that falling backwards, resisting that falling forwards. I mean, one of the easiest things you can think about would be doing like more of a plyo type push up, or when we, when we, when we were talking about the, the dropping off the box into the squat or into the power position. You could do the same thing for your upper body from a push-up position, you know, start from your knees, fall into the push-up, reduce, re- learning how to reduce forces. Those are all things you can do to, to maybe help with the injury prevention. But if you're going fast enough, right? And, yeah. Well, and, that's not going to matter. Yeah. And that, that surface, I mean, your bottom line is we already know however many people get hurt up there every year. That's, you're, you do this long enough, you're probably going to get hurt. We're just trying to help you get to a point where you can really enjoy yourself maybe reduce your risk of injury and have as good a day on the third day as you're having on the first day. Mm-hmm. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Iron Sights. If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.